0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz pianist and composer Ben Rosenblum. This New York City native talked about his latest 2020 CD with his trio presenting the music of Greg Hill. He is an award-winning musician and a graduate of the Colombian Juilliard program. And today he's giving the world his original music combined with an extensive knowledge of the history of jazz with a freewheeling modern melodic sensibility and a very powerful narrative approach that he's had for years on the piano. He always gets better. He has great stories. Get to know him.
1: Let's start off here and get uh, get into the new CD. Um, talk to me a little bit about your kind of artistic approach to this new project.
2: It was a really great challenge for me. You know, I uh, I met Greg uh, a couple of years ago when I performed with my trio in Lansing at a place called Moriarty's that he helped uh, to sponsor and support in the community. It's a great place that uh, has a weekly. Tuesday session hosted by a drummer, Jeff Schaup, who's wonderful. And so, you know, I got to know him and he gave me a book of his compositions and we started talking about maybe uh, doing a project. He has a beautiful space in his place where the album was recorded. And uh, we talked about maybe doing a concert with my trio of some of his compositions that hadn't been recorded yet. And, you know, it was a very exciting opportunity for me to be able to interpret some compositions where there was no prior record of how, you know, no original version to reference about how they should be played. You know, it was just kind of the music, and Greg let me take whatever creative direction I wanted with being able to arrange some of these tunes. So I felt like... You know, I was able to express something through the writing, and you know, the writing has so much, uh, you know, reference and so many ties to the history of jazz. So it was, uh, you know, definitely inspired a lot of uh, a lot of ideas about what the music uh, could be, how it could be translated for my group, and the way I love to play. Yeah, that's kind of, uh, we did the live concert, you know, it's the first time of us performing any of the music, so it's uh, very raw and very honest to kind of our, our, you know, initial energy of approaching the music.
1: So it comes out during a pandemic, is there any ambivalence with, you know, you're releasing it during a time when you can't back it up live, kind of talk to me a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a consideration. I, I actually have an album also with a Spec Step, Step Project that I'm releasing in the fall that I'm going through the same, same process on. But, you know, the idea is that, of course, when you release an album, you want to be able to support it with some tours and be able to promote the the project and talk about it and even Greg and I have talked about doing some kind of concert to promote the album maybe in the spring hopefully if things are safe to tour by then but the pandemic of course has affected musicians lives in a very uh, profound way and I think that the thing always to keep in mind for me is just that you know, it's not like uh people are any less starving for music. If anything, you know, audiences have a little more time on their hands and, you know, are a little more kind of stressed and worried about what's going on in the world. Music is very important for them right now. So there is still a certain way that uh we can we can reach people just through uh online mediums. And it's it's very necessary and very healing right now for people.
1: So you're originally from New York City. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, kind of, you know, growing up there, how music became your life. Maybe some shows that you saw that were really important for you.
2: New York City, obviously, one of the kind of centers of jazz in America, if not the world. It's the... Uh, really inspiring to be able to grow up here and I still kind of, you know, in normal times, really uh, marvel at the fact that there are probably at least a hundred clubs that have shows that I would want to go see on a regular basis. It's, it's pretty amazing. So, you know, because of that, I was very fortunate to be able to see some of my piano heroes before they passed. People like Hank Jones, Cedar Walton, Walter Miller, you know, I, I get to see a lot of people who are still alive are heroes like uh, Kenny Barron, you know, I'm also surrounded by young musicians who are just a constant influence, whether that's somebody a little older than me like Sullivan Fortner, who's incredible. Or just people my age that I went to school with or went to school at the same time around. It's, uh, they're always pushing me to be better. I think the, you know, greatest thing about New York as an artist is that you never get complacent about where you are. You're always hearing people who are so incredible and pushing the boundaries so much and, you know, doing things that you never really even thought about. Uh, the possibility of so there's always some motivation to continue practicing and thinking creatively improving
1: when you were growing up what was the jazz show you saw when you were young that made you think man this is what I want to do with my life (laughs) you know it's, it's an interesting
2: question you know my my mom's a big jazz fan she's the one who kind of introduced me to jazz when I was younger and she first gave me Keith Jarrett's Cole concert. That was one of the first D's, you know, and I love free improvisation. It's still one of my favorite things to do. You know, and soon after that I got to see Keith Jarrett live at Carnegie Hall and that was pretty spectacular. I think that's certainly one of the first moments that I imagined if I could do that, just sit down and, you know, with no written material play uh concert for you know thousands of people that that's that's a pretty spectacular level of artistry but i think that you know one one concert that stands out really is when i got to see hank jones i only got to see him play one song but you know it was part of uh Kind of all-star billing, so there were a lot of acts on the show. Brad Meldostrio trio played, it was amazing. Aaron Goldberg played, it was great. Joshua Redman played, you know. And hearing all of those great younger generation people who are so exciting, and then hearing Hank sit down and play one solo ballad, even as a young pianist, I recognized that there was some kind of deep spiritual connection to the music and to the piano that just touched me in a way that I'll really never forget. So, you know, any, any of those experiences where I felt like music could move you in a way that really stirred your soul and your emotions, those are moments for me that have always stuck with me. Why do you love jazz? Why do I love jazz? Oh, I mean, how much time do we have? Uh, <laughs> but I guess uh, <laughs> I guess uh if I had to sum it up in, in short in short form, you know, I feel a lot of freedom in an art form that's based around improvisation. You know, I still play a little bit of classical music just uh, for my own technical benefit and, you know, to learn more about history of the music. Anytime I've I've performed classical music, it's always been so kind of nerve-wracking for me. You know, I I never felt the same kind of freedom of being able to just know that the the only givens were that, you know, time would move and anything could happen within that you know, and once I kind of learned about the magic of that, you know, the magic of having an art form where you just let time flow, whether it's in-time time time or rubato time, but you just let that move, and then within that, you really had so much flexibility to do anything you wanted. You know, I felt like, especially as a kid, I didn't, talk very much. I was kind of introverted person, which I've I've kind of uh learned how to talk to people over time, but with the music and with the piano and with improvisation I always I never felt the same block about being able to communicate with people. You know, it was just a open space full of possibility, full of potential and full of being able to communicate what I couldn't express in words both to my bandmates to the listeners, audience, and even just understanding a little bit about where I was, uh, you know, that I may not have understood about myself. It's just, you know, jazz. Jazz really provided a space for that, a community for that, and because of that, in addition to the just the music that I love so much, I've also Really made a number of incredible friendships, and you know I have a number of mentors in New York that have just taught me a lot about not only music but about living and you know about the world and how to navigate
1: things and so it's it's been a really beautiful supportive community for me what What is it about being a musician that you like the most?
2: Um, yeah, that's a great question. I mean,
1: there there are a couple of
2: directions I could go with that. Obviously, the artistic element, especially being a composer, I feel like I'm able to explore a bunch of my personal experiences through music in a way that really brings a lot out of me, and you know, makes me understand these things better, and gives me a creative outlet for that. In terms of being a musician more generally in the context of, you know, touring or being a member of society, I think that one of the things I find most magical and beautiful about music is its ability to connect to anyone. I feel like, uh, I've gotten to tour all across the U.S definitely in a lot of places that are very different than New York City. I've gotten to tour in different countries, in Europe, in Japan, Canada. I've been a sideman in India and in China. You know, and I felt like, you know, there's something very special and magical about being able to show up in a country like that or in a different part of the U.S., you know, and still be able to connect with people who have never met me don't know anything about me. I might even have preconceptions about what, you know, (laughs) a New Yorker or an American is like, but still have a genuine connection and a desire to get to know me better. And, uh, you know, I can form friendships with people who are, you know, coming from a very different place than myself just because... We share a love of this art form and music. That's something that I will never take for granted, and has really led me to some of the most incredible experiences I've had.
1: So when we do get to the end of COVID-19 and live music returns, when that happens, what do you hope both musician and the audience realizes from this time away from live jazz?
2: That's a great question. You know, I uh, certainly, you know, shows like the one we did for the album with Greg, you know, they're they're really beautiful experiences. And I think already anybody who's a fan of jazz who might have come to a show like that really misses it and wants it to come back. So, you know, I don't think there's any realization that needs to happen around, you know, missing the music. I think everybody misses the music, really. Yeah. But, I mean, in terms of a realization for the community, I think that, you know, it's a time where we all really need to support each other. I I think that sometimes when you have an experience like this, you realize that, you know, in normal times, sometimes we tend to divide, you know, this section of the community, this section... You know, these people play music in this way versus that way. You know, it gets a little factional, for lack of a better word, sometimes. And uh, when you have a crisis like this that really is pretty existential, not only to the music community, but to so many communities and to, you know, health of the greater American public, it's like it puts things in a lot of perspective, you know, really brings people together and makes people realize that there's a lot, a lot more similar between everybody than different, and that, you know, in order to keep the music going, we should support everybody in the community and in their efforts to bring music to their part of the community. And so I hope that... You know, as a as a community, we're able to rally around the people who are most vulnerable, you know, uh, especially people who made their full living off of performing. You know, we can rally around some of the venues that are struggling right now if it had to be closed. And, you know, we can help support a lot of these uh, people to get to the other side of it and still be able to be in music and, you know, trust that the community has their back
1: so everyone has a perception of you your family your friends your fans that you're the one that's living your life who do you think you are it's <laughs> uh, a good question can
2: can you phrase the question in another way i'm curious
1: yeah just you know every i mean you you're going to have a way that you see yourself your id your ego and other people are going to have ways of seeing you in different lights, but ultimately you're the one that's in charge of what you're doing with your life. So what what is your perception of who you are?
2: Yeah, it's a great, it's a deep question, you yeah.
0: okay. um,
2: know. There are different answers to that at different parts of my uh, career, young career so far, obviously. I have hopefully uh, many more years in the music where things could change. But, you know... I've I've always kind of seen the music I do in a dual kind of role, you know, and there's this one part of me that recognizes that this music is a personal journey, a journey of self-betterment and self-reflection and, you know, both musically and kind of personally and spiritually, you know, playing the music and trying to just get better at one thing for your whole life. It's like it really teaches you a lot about yourself and you know, teaches you to always have a larger perspective and stay humble and be supportive of people who are, you know, not as far along and, you know, trying to learn from people who are much farther along. So there's that part. But increasingly, especially as I tour in the US, I really have a deep respect for, you know, people like Greg, like Jeff and Lansing and so many cities that I've played in, you know, especially smaller cities or even rural areas where there's one or two people really bringing arts to the community in a way that if they weren't there, there wouldn't be jazz in that area. It's made me realize that somehow in the direction that my music career takes, I want to find a way to also create opportunities for other people and to bring jazz to new audiences, you know, to be a community builder in some sense. You know, if if the music is only about my career and my development and my quote-unquote uh, success, You know, I think there's only... There's a limited amount of satisfaction that can bring if I know that that success is at the expense of somebody else's success. You know, but if I can create some opportunities to bring art into communities where there just wouldn't have been art there otherwise, I think that's a benefit to everyone. And whether that's as somebody who helps run or curate a venue or if it's being an advocate in the community for funding for the arts or if it's, you know, uh, creating some kind of educational apparatus, whether a school or online, you know, or whether that's, uh, like, one of the groups I perform in does jazz versions of video game music and, you know, we have an audience that's a lot younger than a lot of the shows that I perform. You know, whether it's do things like that to introduce a new generation to the music. I think that I see myself more and more that I want to be in a role where I'm creating rather than competing for opportunities that are already there. Right on, man.
1: Hey, Ben, thank you for taking some time out to Neon Jazz today. Good good luck with the album and stay safe out there.
2: Oh, you too. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you uh, for such uh, thought-provoking questions.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Ben for his time, music, and stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time.